This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. The state of the campaign union today, Excelsior. No, really, I mean, whoo! Welcome back, best and brightest, my partners, my radio family. We are the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jaily News. We are very much live, and your office number, which I share, did you know that? Is one triple eight nine hundred. It means I listen in. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. And I, as I see it, because I look at my thoughts and my notes for today, there is enough for about a dozen shows, which always signals to me that this would be a good time for your call. Because you must have comments, questions, observations, criticisms, other bon mots as obtain in this campaign, coverage of it, and uh, all the other elements that control our lives. May I say, as a transition from our largely Supreme Court show, was that only yesterday? I really, I have been, I've had this kind of psychotic episode today. (laughs) It's one of two things. The generalized feeling that I missed a day, And the other one is, and this has never, ever happened to me before, I I have a fair degree of ritual about my preparation and my schedule for the show. You know, in terms of the work, in terms of the shows, things I read, you know, listen to all of that. And then in the moments, you know, the, the, the hour, it really becomes ritualized in the two hours leading up to showtime. And then it becomes more ritualized as every minute passes. I mean, I, I know that without timing it or meaning to, I'm going to do 
almost certainly be doing, you know, this at 2.15 Eastern and this at 2.30 Eastern. I mean, that, that that's true, by the way, around the clock. But it really becomes highly ritualized within uh, an hour or two of showtime. Today I got up and sat down at the microphone. I'm in my studio. I gave Esya, the one dog who's allowed to be in the studio with me during the show, because he behaves. You're a good boy. Uh, I, I give him a treat. I grab my notes. I flip on all the computers that aren't on. And I sit down at the desk and... I do my voice exercises. I really don't, but I thought I'd throw in something like that, you know. And uh, and otherwise prepare to speak in a moment down the line and get ready to broadcast. I was sitting here doing that today at uh, one minute before two o'clock. And something Eastern, something didn't seem right. I mean, it just didn't have the rhythms. It took me a minute or two for this to click in. But the rhythms of Buck's show, the rhythms of the other stuff I had on, just didn't seem like they were a minute before I go on the air. It just didn't didn't fit somehow. And then, of course, I realized just as often as I say uh, George Bush when I mean Heb, Bush. I uh, when I tweet, I tweet out the showtime is two o'clock. It's not, of course, it's three. But this was the first day that I actually behaved as though it started at two. I'm worried for me. I mean, this is this the first sign of? Is the next thing that I have to wear a bib? I don't. You know. Anyway, we're here. Because we're here, because we're one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. All right, as a transition from yesterday's show into the reality of today, insofar as I am in touch, as aforesaid, with reality today, Justice Scalia rest in peace. And the transition is by way of saying the Supreme Court makeup may be more important than who gets elected president. Stop me if you've heard this before, but you won't because you haven't. But you know what? If I had to, if I were given the choice right now, if I were given the choice right now, you may have your way with either the Supreme Court, the composition of the Supreme Court, or with the next presidential election, I would pick the Supreme Court. Now, I realize I hold, well, I, 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 I suspect strongly that I hold the minority view in this regard. So, believe me, it's not going to affect how I cover the presidential race, but in my heart of hearts, if I have not made yet successfully made the impression of how important I believe and how important I believe you ought to believe the Supreme Court composition is, I would rather pick them 
than the next president. I think the makeup of the next Supreme Court or the Supreme Court over the next 20 years is more important than who gets elected president. Just to offer some perspective on how seriously I take this. But I've had my chance, although you may not have had yours because I yacked a lot yesterday. And so your office number is open and ready for you. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Whether or not it has anything to do with the Supreme Court, because we have to get back to the campaign. And this campaign is campaign twerk. This will be remembered by me, if no one else, as campaign twerk. I've told the story about watching, and I think last night it was the Grammys, right? I think it was a year ago or two years ago watching the Grammys when Miley Cyrus simulated sex with men on the primetime broadcast, which I had thought it safe to watch with my family. And and uh, and uh, I was slack-jawed. I didn't know what to do. Use that embarrassing moment to, like, you jump up, grab the remote. Do I, like, throw a, a comforter over my children's head? I, you know, what do I do at that moment? And I looked around... And only one person was looking at me. It was my oldest, my daughter, who looked at me as if anticipating my reaction and said, it's uh, twerking, Dada, twerking. And nodded at me as though she were counseling me. She's 13 and she's saying to me, twerking, Dada. Okay, okay, honey, thank you. This is campaign twerk. And by the way, the the last word about this uh, Supreme Court thing. I said yesterday the Republicans are doing the morally and constitutionally wrong thing and the politically stupid thing by announcing in advance, we will not allow the president to have his pick no matter who he picks, no matter when, no matter what. We're not going to allow it. Yeah, well, who died and made you king? That is the wrong position constitutionally, morally, and stupid politically. Okay. Uh, Already, the Democrats have been responding by saying, well, Republicans, okay, if you really want a government shutdown... As I said yesterday, you're playing right into Democrats' hands. The, the Democrats are going to say, and I believe it, the Democrats are going to say, well, you know what? It takes 60 votes to get anything done in the United States Senate. And Republicans, a lot of you are up for re-election too this November. And you have a lot of important legislation and other appointments on the board, on the schedule. You want the Senate to move forward. And you know what? The Senate is going to freeze like a snowball. The Senate is going to ice up like an axle in Alaska at 90 below if this is your position. No no work will get done in the Senate. We're going to call it a government shutdown, which effectively it will be. We know how that polls. We know who people find responsible for that. 
We know whom they blame and who they punish politically. And if your position is Obama doesn't get what he constitutionally deserves, i.e., to at least nominate a replacement, then you don't get any more working government, and we blame it on you. This is Jay Severin Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners. Uh, I I will say one other thing before going to partners on the phone, and that is I am in the uncomfortable position, more than sheepish, I am in the dreadfully uncomfortable position of having to join whom I believe to be a known, registered, card-carrying, avowed nut. Oh, and a leading candidate for president of the United States, Donald Trump, in agreeing (coughs) with myself and him, coincidentally, that debate audiences absolutely pervert presidential debate with their live and painfully biased audience reactions, grotesquely influencing the perception of the much, much larger television audience, tens of millions, as to how the actual debate is going. There is no connection between the reaction of ticket holders who are donors to the Bush campaign or the Kasich campaign or the X or Y or Z campaign. They are there for one purpose, to boo the opponent and cheer their guy. The audience is determined by tickets distributed by the Republican Party and Democrat Party, which is how and where the fix is in. Stop it! Stop it! Other than that, I have absolutely no strong feelings about it and will, as always, maintain an open mind. Joe from South Carolina, Ground Zero, welcome to the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, how you doing, Jay? Um, I can't remember where I'd heard it, but I heard someone talking about there's a rumor of Justice Ginsburg possibly retiring this year. Um, 
And that Utterly plausible. Question, it kind of raises a question. If that is, you know, if that comes to pass, is there a clause anywhere in any document that says how many justices we have to have no. sitting on the bench? No. Nope. Uh, nor is there any control, of course, as to how many justices a, a given president can appoint. Uh, if if Obama gets a third, that will be the first time a president has gotten three since Ronald Reagan, which to me is positively frightening. Uh, that would be the, <laughs> the Scalia seat. But if Buzzy Ginsburg uh, retires, which, again, is utterly, utterly plausible, and and she's not alone. Don't forget, as as my hero, Justice Scalia, demonstrated for us, whatever the justice's intentions, retirement, as with all of us, is not necessarily a matter that can be, can be pre-planned. And uh, the, the most court-seasoned, knowledgeable court observers, and you're currently listening to one of them, thinks that the next president, including this one because of the Scalia seat, could make two, three, easy, two to three, maybe four, not cumulative, but, you know, starting right now in the next couple of years, two to three justices seems likely. Four is not out of the question. Okay, well, that being said, is there... How would we? If, you know, I'm not sure how to raise this, but we win we, elections. We win elections, or we don't. Oh well, no, not not as far as appointing them, but as far as uh, you know, now that Justice Lee is gone, and if um, Justice Ginsburg retires, that'll bring the count down to seven. I mean, that kind of gives it kind of uh, equality about it. You know, three one way, three another way, and then a tiebreaker. Well, oddly enough, oddly, oddly enough, an odd number of justices, which wasn't is the intention, would actually pave the way, would actually lubricate decisions because you'd have four to three decisions, which we've had before. So, you, you know, and that's not discounting, you know, in a fantasy world that we could still have unanimity or consensus on the court. <laughs> but, you know, at least if you had an odd number. It, it's a much more manageable equation than if you've got <clears throat> a split figure between what is seen to be and is functionally the Republican, I'm sorry, the, 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 the conservative and the liberal wings of the court. So four to three is actually preferable to four to four in a, in a queer sort of way. But I, I, Joe, I must say, I don't think that will happen. I think ultimately the pressure to have the court working uh, will ultimately mean that with you know people will curse and bitch and moan on both sides but ultimately the process will somehow work out and and I'm sorry my only justification for saying that is it always has but then again this year's election doesn't look like any election we've ever had so I realize I'm on thin ice when I say my rationale is it always does I don't know that it always will Joe, I appreciate the call. Call more often. Call more often, my friend. Um, Skip, how am I doing with time here? Two minutes. 
All right, John, let's get started. John from my second home of Colorado. In his honor, I'll say Colorado. <laughs> How's it going, man? How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, first, um, you had asked me about a firearm recommendation. So, uh, so all I'll say. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Via, John, via, yes. Yeah. JC. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. So, Sorry, now I know, uh, now I know my, who you are. Cool. So I just wanted to say just don't get too big of a pistol on your hip. Otherwise, you might capsize much like Guam. <laughs> well, you know, my my I think I'm not alone in this or or, you know, it's not uncommon to be concerned about for home defense. Do I want a long gun or do I want a short gun, you know, a pistol? And I've always said, wow. in the end, it's better to have a, you know, if you're only going to have one or you're, you're at any given moment, you're going to, you're going to grab one, you know, I'm, I'm going to grab the, 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 the pistol. So I want to yep. get the yep. best one, you know, with stopping power, uh, that won't jam has, you know, less likelihood of jamming, which I know means a revolver as opposed to an automatic, even though I'd rather have an automatic, um, I recently saw on Fox, I saw this kid Waters use a Russian-made automatic shotgun. I really liked the way that looked. I mean, I really liked the blast pattern and stopping power on that, but it's a, you know, it's a long gun. All right, John, it's, I, I worked myself into a corner here. Please hold on, if you wish, uh, and appear on the other side. Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. For those of you who may have heard Hillary Clinton, and there is sound of this available if you've not heard it, Hillary Clinton barked like a dog, literally barked like a dog on stage in Nevada within the last 24 hours. In other news, a bird was seen to fly. And a fish reportedly was seen swimming. Oh, and Hillary Clinton met with Al Sharpton. These All these news items go together under the dog bites man theory of journalism. Oh, there's one other thing. I'm also told that we have found an errant email from Bill Clinton to a friend from late last night. And it had the link, Hillary barks like dog. And Bill Clinton's remark to his friend was, hot. This was the first known expression of attraction uh, to Hillary Clinton by Bill Clinton since the Eisenhower administration. John, welcome back. 
We'll have to limit ourselves, bud, because we're the only ones who really care about this. But go ahead. Well, cool. Um, what I I, uh, I uh, shouldn't open up with a joke, but a- anyway, there's there's <laughs> like what uh, there's a don't there's we a, always uh, there's a, <laughs> definitely um, there's what a two week space between or about that um, between the new Senate and the new and the new president, right? Wait, wait. I, aren't you going to finish with guns? I need information here. Oh, oh, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, chat. We'll uh, chat about that offline. All right. Okay. Okay. Because I'd like your general opinion on that. Because in the end, you're going to grab one or the other. And in home defense, right, right. you know, what would you rather have? Your best recommendation of a of a pistol, or your best recommendation of a uh, uh, you know a long gun of some kind? So yeah, we'll do that. Uh, JC's on. Uh, Twitter, everybody, you'll recognize him. So we'll do that on there. So go ahead, by all means, my friend. Cool, cool. So, so with the with the um, with the um, appointment of a new justice, there's there's like what a two week space between um, the new Senate and the new president, correct? Uh, I, 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 good for you. I honestly don't know. I, I I don't. I know everything about the process except that, and maybe the next one you're going to ask. Well, so I was just wondering how how that how that would affect the appointment of the new justice, like um, if like the new Senate comes in and it's de- and and it's Democrat controlled, and you, you, you know, would that well, then we've had would it would it would it would it would be would it would it would it behoove. Um, Obama to uh, put off the appointment until that point, or what are your thoughts? Well, I, I, it's a great question. I don't know enough to know the answer at this moment, but let me say to you that the absolutely controlling political factor as of this moment, JC, is that the Republicans uh, uh, grab together their eb- ebbing faculties and realize that you never open your mouth on the first gambit and mm-hmm. and show all your cards in life, right? right. You, know, like, right. you never open your mouth and say, okay, I'm going to do this. And you've just told the other person the very worst thing you can do, your very final negotiating position. For so many right. reasons, it's wrong and stupid, unconstitutional, and just politically dumb. The, the Republicans can do whatever it is they're going to do. And, and they may still do something morally wrong, unconstitutional, dumb. They may not. But there is absolutely no reason to open your mouth and say this right away. Well, you know, again, I'm sorry, everybody. I don't want to bore anybody, but... I mean, that's the worst crime I can commit here. But uh, the, the Republicans, and all, almost all of us know this, in life, in politics, what the Republicans should have immediately said was, Mr. President, we welcome your suggestion. He or she will receive a deliberate hearing in, in, in our Congress. That's it. Correct. That's it. Correct. And then... You can stab them politically 100,000 times between the shoulder blades in a 100 different ways. You don't need to announce it. 
You want it to look like, oh, okay, sure, great. Send him up. Send her up. They'll receive a feel, a fair hearing. And then you give them what is constitutionally, legally, a fair hearing, which is that you stab them 100,000 times in the back. But you, you do it constitutionally. You know, you look at your calendar and say, okay, the first open date we could possibly swing for the first day of hearings on the Judiciary Committee would be, how does, uh, what's today? What's today? Tuesday? Wednesday? Thursday? How does two years from tomorrow look? Is that good for you? (laughs) Exactly. You don't have to announce it. JC, thank you. I got a bolt. John is, uh, JC is on Twitter, a Twitter emeritus and partner of this show. Join him, would you? J-A-Y underscore S-E-V-E-R-I-N. Um, I knew there was something I wanted to say, and John reminded me, but then I uh, forgot. I think I was thrown off by the notion of Hillary uh, barking like a dog. Let's go back to the campaign. Uh, no one, No one's seen anything like this. Uh, Guru J say last week, South Carolina would and and the presidency would soon become in everyone's eyes a four man race. Does anyone disagree? It's a four man race. It's Trump and everybody else on the Republican side. If it to to be not fairer because there is no fair, you know. I mean, th- there's what is and what ain't. What is is that it's Trump and everybody else. But to play this out for production value, let's say it's Trump versus Cruz for the outsider slash conservative lane. And then it's clearly Rubio slash Bush. Bush for the establishment lane. That's it. I know that Kasich and Carson are still in the campaign, but where is John Kasich today? And by today, I mean right now, at this moment. And you would say, well, I don't know, Jay, somewhere in probably at an American Legion post in rural South Carolina, making his pitch to the good people of South Carolina. He wouldn't dare set his ass in an American Legion hall in rural South Carolina with John Kasich. He'd get stoned. Are you kidding me? Where is John Kasich today, four days before the South Carolina primary? John Kasich is in Michigan, is where he is. Because the only ghost of a theory, of a prospect, of a chance that Kasich has in this race is to hold on long enough to get to the industrial rust belt, the industrial Midwest, because he's the Ohio governor. And the thinking is he could do really well in, you know, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois. And because they are an extremely important part of the uh, presidential makeup of the campaign, the Electoral College, etc., if he could do well there... Well, that's great. And if my grandmother had balls, she'd be my grandfather. You know, I, I, I just don't, if she had wheels, pardon me, I'll put it another way. I don't want to sound Trumpy in there. If my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle, okay? 
I, I, I don't see it. I, and uh, what are you doing in Michigan if the South Carolina primaries in four days? Okay, you know, enough said. Uh, as for Dr. Carson, I'm sure this will enhance his speaking fees. But you know what? You never know. You never know. I don't know what the black vote may do for Dr. Carson in South Carolina. It may give him new life, but a very, very short new life, I believe. But every day that anybody who's in this is in this is better for their uh, resume, their speaking fees, their next book contract, and their obituary than being in it you know, a, a week less. So there we go. Um, one thing we haven't touched on yet, believe it or not, here we sit on Tuesday, we had one opportunity uh, to speak about the debate on Saturday night. The open question here at one 888 is, and we may not talk about it long, we may not talk about it at all, but the question is, because we spent yesterday, I think appropriately, on the politics of the court and remembrance of Justice Scalia and what it all means. This is the first time since our special with Skip and Doc and I and you and Ty on Saturday night to put to you the question, did you see the debate? If you didn't, that's fine. What did you read from the debate? You've seen coverage since the debate, which, believe me, is every bit as good. If I, if, if I had to recommend to you as your media consultant, Jay, I can't see both. I can either watch the debate or just follow the news coverage in the next two to three days. Watch the news coverage. Don't watch the debate. Save three hours. We just you watch the news coverage. So one way or the other, however you've come by it, do you have some opinion on whether or not Saturday night's Republican debate helped or hurt Trump, Cruz, Bush, Rubio, Kasich, or Carson. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. one 3393 All right. Uh, deeply now into South Carolina and its primary. It is so tremendously important what's going to happen in the next three to four days and what will happen at the end thereof. First question must be, if you're watching the coverage of this, if you're following this at all, I don't say this as a partisan. I say this as a an expert veteran of the process and an and observer. Is Donald Trump unhinged or is he brilliant? I, I think the answer thus far is he's been brilliantly unhinged. But what I really want to know is, is is it planned? 
Uh, is is this Trump being Trump and hitting a moment, a window in history? Is there like a cosmic wormhole opening? And and somehow he's just like hitting this at the right time? Or is he what he appears to be, which is Mussolini with a more expensive haircut? I, I just... I don't think it's an unfair question. See, if I knew he were a conservative, I would know he's not Mussolini with a more expensive haircut. If I knew what he was politically, populist, which is what he is, and I'm prepared to discuss and defend, but good luck. I mean, if you think there is evidence that Donald Trump is either a conservative or the conservative in this race, I, w- I invite you at one 3393 but come prepared. Because I'll tell you right now, there. if I were a court, I would not hear this case. I wouldn't even hear the case. But this court is your court. So, of course, we will hear it together. But if I were a court, I wouldn't hear it. I, w- I wouldn't even hear it. I wouldn't accept it as a case that we would hear on the docket. Is Donald Trump a conservative? You know why? Because there's no evidence that he is or will be. This is a classic case of blind faith among conservatives. Well, he sounds like one because he's anti-establishment, and he's a wise-ass, and he calls people a-holes, and he swears a lot, and he gets angry a lot, and he's going to sue people, and he calls people stupid. Yeah, that's populism at its worst, but it ain't conservatism. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. The president has waited what he regards as an appropriate length of mourning time. Yeah. What's today? Obama speaks on the Supreme Court this hour. Excelsior! Welcome back, my family, my radio family, my broadcast partners. I'm Jay Severin. Jaily News published only on the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 3393 one A Friday to open the show, I've invited my lifelong friend and the best pollster and political analyst on earth, Doug Schoen to join us, and I will, if he has time for us, which is a matter of honest question, uh, he'll be with us regularly, but we'll start this Friday, though, subject to his schedule uh, and to other news. I have some things to say about the campaign. Uh, Let me throw one log on the fire more 
before we go to uh, our senior partner here on the phone, you will have noticed that if there's a central focus to the Bush campaign in South Carolina this week, it is the total reversal of the rationale that gave birth to his first marketing notion. A total reversal of his first marketing rationale. The first marketing rationale was, I'll be the only candidate in the race and the only candidate maybe in presidential history, at least contemporary history, who doesn't use my last name. And everyone knows why, because he believes his last name would be a disadvantage. How about that? Despite the fact that your father and your brother were presidents of the United States, you think that's a disadvantage. And so you're not going to be Bush. You're going to be Heb. Heb. And not only Heb, you're going to be Heb with an exclamation point by way of distracting from the fact that you are Heb Bush. Heb Bush. And now the central focus, tell me if I'm wrong, of the Heb Bush campaign in South Carolina this week has been Bushes. All Bushes. In fact, in the last two weeks, all Bushes. Now all of a sudden, the man who did not, would not, could not utter his surname, no more Heb, only Bush, Bush. And so the central focus of Bush, his campaign in South Carolina this week, has been to bring in, uh, well, his mother at the end there in, in New Hampshire, and now George W. Bush this week. Coincidentally, you will notice that one of the central focuses, if, if, if in fact there is any focus, to the Trump campaign or the Trump attack of late is that he is savaging George Bush as president and his decisions and especially the war, especially the Iraq war. My general question, that's a setup for the general question, and here it is. South Carolina has the most veteran-laden vote of any state, God bless them, in America. One out of five, more than one out of five voters who vote in the primary at the end of this week in South Carolina, in the Republican primary, will be veterans. The eight major military bases in operation in South Carolina, more than any other state, uh, hundreds of thousands of vets, One in five votes plus are veterans. Will Trump's attack on Bush, the former president, and on the war in Iraq sound to them like, yeah, yeah, I'm with you? Or will that sound like, no, no, I don't like the way that sounds? Will will Jeb Bush all of a sudden embracing George Bush and with it, whether or not he likes it, the Iraq war and the decisions his brother made, 
Will that, in a veteran-heavy state, work for him at the same time that Trump's criticisms, attacks, are working against him or not? Just thought I'd ask. Rocky, senior partner, managing partner of the firm Jaily News, welcome back, my friend. Rock A. Rock A. He is there. Yeah, we have a bad connection, Rock. Stay there. Uh, we'll get, Let's reconnect, uh, and uh, we'll have you back. Brian from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hey, Jay. Uh, it's actually hey, good Brian. timing. I happen to be a veteran. You happen to be a veteran? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a, I'm a veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, I used to well, we, have, we happen to be... We happen to be tremendously grateful to you. Well, it's my honor. Um, but uh, like a lot of veterans, uh, I, I supported Trump pretty much since before he ran. Um, lately, he's been losing me, and I think with his last debate, he really did. Uh, I just don't like the way he's going after Cruz. I think it's unfair. And uh, the fact is, he, he was ahead in the polls. He didn't have to attack anybody. All he had to do was sit back and win. You know, but he decided to play the bully. It's just... It, it's, it's not. It, I just, just a, you're right, but I think you'd agree. It's just simply not in his nature, <laughs> right? Um, but as far as, uh, as far as far as attacking uh, uh, President Bush uh, about the uh, about nine eleven, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Nobody blames the governor for uh, the governor of California for the, the attack in San Bernardino. You know, I mean, right. he happens to be in power at the time. It's, it's coincidence, you know, and he was only in power for a year before it happened. Also, there are ways, Brian, to imply it. I'm not even sure you'd want to do that, but you know, that's what that's why God made pollsters. And you know, I don't mean to be cynical about it, but um, we know how we feel. And okay, you could just say how you feel. Uh, maybe Trump has, but I would certainly have a pollster tell me on this. Not what I believe, but whether or not I ought to lead with my chin. Or whether it was a good thing, you know, that's the, in campaigns. It comes down to that. Pollsters don't tell you what to believe. Uh, no one I'd ever represent is told by me or a pollster what to believe. But they are told that of the things you believe, here are the things you ought to lead with. Because we always make two lists: the menu. It's the menu approach. You know, one to ten on the left hand side of the page is the ten things you strongly believe and want to do. Then on the right-hand side of the page, we have the 10 things that voters strongly believe in and want to see done. And then it's a matter of just connecting, you know, the dots. And so if you care deeply about migratory waterfowl preservation, but the people don't, it doesn't mean you denounce it. It just shut up about it. You know, it doesn't get you any points. Whereas if we can match up the fact that you want to improve primary school education and lower taxes, and that happens to coincide with the number one and three things on the voters' priorities, then that's what you lead with. It's not, you know, saying rocket science, or I couldn't have done it. So in any case, in this, uh, Brian, the thing with the war is, with, with, with Trump, you know, rather than just shoot off the mouth, which is I know what people who admire him admire about him, you would think maybe he would have taken... I mean, and I'm, again, I'm being presumptuous in suggesting he didn't, but you might have taken a little time to find out, you know, the notion that 
you know, when 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 Jeb Bush says our brother kept us safe. And, right. and then you say, oh, yeah, well, the towers came down while he was president. I'd be surprised if a lot of people voting in a Republican primary harbor that same sentiment. Well, I mean, uh, among the uninformed and uneducated, maybe, um, I don't really like the Democrats mainly for the reason that they go after the uninformed and uneducated. Uh, and so I like a candidate who goes after the informed and educated both uh, by doing what he's doing and, and doing it well. And, Brian, uh, I got a jet. Call again soon. Thank you for the contribution and more, way more than that. Thank you. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners on the Blaze Radio Network. Rocky, senior partner, welcome back. Hey, my friend, Jay. Hey, Rock. uh, I was reconnecting, so I didn't get to hear much of your last conversation with last caller. But uh, I did get to hear him say that he wanted, you know, a party that goes after the informed. I'd just like to point out that uh, 50% of the people that were out there that are uh, leaning towards the Democratic Party, a majority of them probably leaning towards Hillary, recognize and acknowledge that Hillary is uh, dishonest, but still the majority of those will vote for her. So, uh, I think that's right. The, and I think, informed, I think, Rocky, you may be being too gracious, my friend, by half, which is characteristic it, of you, your graciousness. I, but I think you're being a little too charitable. I think what the Democrats have in common is that much as your point insinuates, I think the math remains the same. The calculus is unchanged if you remove Hillary's name and substitute the name of someone else so long as equals at the end, the end of the equation works out, we grab and give you other people's money. Yes, and uh, that actually leads me to the point that I was calling about. You were asking about whether Trump was unhinged or whether he's brilliant, or whether he's brilliantly unhinged? And my answer is right. yes. <laughs> and, 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 and let me let me explain that a little further in in what I'm saying. Uh, Donald Trump, having been the one that wrote the Art of the Deal, that book has a very lot in common with the Art of War. And one of the things it says in the Art of War is. Play something that's irresistible in front of your enemy, uh, like in one of the cases, Sun Tzu took part of his uh, army and he sent it out where it was vulnerable so that the other army would attack it. And then he comes from all sides and slaughters them. So he took what seemed to be an impossible situation, but he, he, he used their desire to grasp that object and then used it against them. Um, and one and Rocky, one of my favorites is almost all battles are won before the first shot is ever fired. Yes, amen. And that's what Donald does. He sets up 
like for example, here's here's one example. He'll say we're going to ban uh, Muslims from coming into this country. He leaves it generalized because therefore the mainstream media and the GOP establishment look at that and they go, oh man, he's on vulnerable ground, just like exposing that army in Sun Tzu. Well, when he does that, he gets them right where he wants them to because what what Donald goes for, and this takes us back to, it's not the well-informed that Donald gets. It's the people, uh, especially in the GOP side, that despise the establishment. They hate the way that they say they make promises and they don't deliver. So they love Donald Trump's anger. They love his right. vitriol. They love him being vile. If he swears, that's all the better. Because that's the way they feel. It's human nature. And that translates. That's his end. That translates. Again, let's carry over this metaphor of the arithmetic equation, right? And we get equals. And what do we get at the end of equals? We get people who are passionate. Trump does not necessarily attract the best informed or most reasonable, but he does attract, it seems to me, Rock, the most passionate. And frankly, I don't like saying this. I recognize it is inherently cynical, but as a veteran of 100 major campaigns all over the world, I'd rather attract passionate voters than smart ones because smart, smart is part of the equation when it comes to governing. When it comes to yeah. politics, i.e. winning a hockey game, four to three, I want the passion. I want right. passionate voters because they're not going to abandon me. They're not subject to the allures of arguments by other candidates, and they will turn out and vote for me. Absolutely. And um, if you take, uh, take, take do, do we really trust? You know, the mainstream media, do we trust the establishment GOP? Do we trust Donald Trump, who says he's pro-choice, and then he says he's pro-life? He says he loves Hillary, and uh, he paid her to be at his wedding, which I think is really hilarious in one part. I think I will return the answer you gave me. I'll take the same license. No. (laughs) (laughs) And, And then just recently he says, Hillary's evil in that word association thing. Right, right. And, and then now taking it back to the informed, and then this is what we have to hope is that we can get more people informed. Cruz in Iowa, he actually stood up for uh, no subsidies for ethanol in a state where ethanol could have been his demise. Right. I mean, absolutely. That shows you. That shows you his commitment to honesty yeah he'd rather rather lose than win dishonestly and and bringing it back to trump um you know when when i if he's profane that's up to everyone to judge i i i don't i don't care it offends yes it does offend me i don't want my children seeing the next president of the United States. And that's how he deserves to be viewed as of this moment. I don't want them seeing a, you know, plausibly next president of the United States 
being profane. So no, I don't yeah. like it. I condemn it. But personally, in my heart of hearts, I don't really care next to his policies, his ability to govern, you know, be commander in chief, all, all, all well, of that. But when I see this week and rock, then I'll shut up. When I see this week that he threatened, he's threatening to sue, as you know, he's threatening to sue Ted Cruz over a point of constitutional principle. Right. Donald yeah. Trump is so bothered by the fact that Cruz was born in uh, Canada that on the basis of his loyalty to the United States of America on a point of principle, he's going to sue Cruz unless Cruz apologizes to Trump for campaigning against him. Then no nah. more constitutional point of principle. No, nah. Trump, Trump's all bluster. I mean. He, he already said earlier, he said that he had his uh, legal team look at it and that Cruz was completely fine. And later on, I mean, Trump's own words in his debate. I mean, it, yeah, well, that doesn't matter, though. He may still do it. My point is <laughs> that that if you say, I think you're unfit to be, you know, sir, I believe you're unfit to be president. And on this, there is no compromise. It's a matter of constitutional principle. Well, you know what? If you say that and you believe it, good for you. But if you say it and say, however, if you give me five bucks, I could let it go. <laughs> you know, I just, that, that, that makes me sick. You know, it takes me back. Uh, I wanted to tie it back a little bit back to where we started off with. We, we only have 20 seconds. It's yours. Okay. The brilliant, the brilliant part is when he thinks ahead, when he plans ahead, before he gets in these debates, He's very good, like, uh, bringing out things that can get people's uh, emotions up. But when people like Cruz get to him and bring facts up against him, he has nothing but to call Cruz a liar. Rock, satellite rules. Sorry. The Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Here at 1-888-900-3393. one 3393 This is the craziest campaign I've ever lived through. And, uh, you know, they haven't passed me by. I lived through them by way of making my living. And so... I, I remember them. You know, I've I've been to South Carolina. I've had candidates there. I know what this is like. There's nothing like this. And by the way, if you're waiting for the dirty South Carolina, a little bit of my history and no, not my history. Sorry uh, for you. A little bit of history and and perspective on this dirty, quote unquote, South Carolina. And there is a debate as to whether it's dirty. All right. Well, I'll leave that to you. But and we can discuss it if you like. But th- this notion that, oh, boy, South Carolina, dirty politics, just wait. Well, it's funny to me to watch the mainstream media try to fulfill their own predictions. So now that when anybody says 
any candidate says about another candidate, oh, uh, he didn't vote that way. They have a headline, uh, dirty politics, uh, calls into question voting record. They have no, they have literally no idea what they're talking about. One of the reasons is, and I don't like pointing this out, but what am I going to do? You know, three quarters of the people reporting this stuff to you are 19 years old. They have no effing idea what happened in the last two South Carolina presidential primaries because they were one year old in most cases for like either or both of them. They have no idea. They don't know. Ask these people. Ask these people. South Carolina, dirty politics, huh? Oh, yeah, rough and tumble. Go ahead. Ask an MSNBC answer. Ask an anchor. Ask a Fox anchor. Dirty, huh? Oh, dirty. Never. You've never seen anything like it. Yeah? How old were you for the last one? Well, I was nine. I see. And what do you recall of it? Nothing. They are so predictable and boring, they are lifeless, the mainstream media. The reason that South Carolina acquired the reputation as the dirty politics primary state was because of fairly dirty politics. You haven't seen any politics this week dirty. You want it, Someone want to tell me something dirty? What? Trump, I'm going to sue Cruz. That's dirty? Rubio, Cruz is a liar. That's dirty? Cruz, Donald Trump is unhinged. (laughs) You think that's dirty? No, I'll tell you what dirty is. I'll tell you what dirty is. Dirty is a, a advertising which drops in the last 24 hours in 2008 when John McCain was running for his life as a Republican candidate for president in South Carolina in the primary. And he was, you know, not a conservative. So the conservatives were within his own party were running against him and they dropped the bombshell ad. uh, One of the top three bombshells of all time. They dropped the ad with a family picture, McCain father to black daughter. McCain, father to black daughter. I want you to notice my words because it could not have read any other way. It could not have read McCain, father's black daughter, though, and you're saying right now, aren't you? Wait a second, isn't that what you just said? No, I said McCain, father to black daughter. I didn't say McCain father's black daughter because that would be liable. You could sue someone for that if you wished. But then again, would you really wish to be standing up and saying, that is such an awful thing to say about me that I could have a black daughter? Oh, it's so disgusting that I'm going to sue you. Is that really what you want to say? Three days before the primary? You see, dirty means effective. Dirty means filthy. And it means effective. It has an effect. And when you drop 
a bomb on John McCain, national hero, but crappy candidate, not a conservative. I'm not a fan of his. When you drop a bomb on him, McCain, father to black daughter, and that's what happened. And the truth is, and I've told the story before, and you may know it well before hearing it from me, John McCain, God bless him, went back to Southeast Asia. One of his, one of his first visits back there since being tortured for real, tortured like real torture. They broke his arms and his legs. They put his naked body up on top of eight milk containers and then they kicked the bottom ones out and he landed on a cement floor and they did it over and over and over and over and over and over again until his bones and his back and his body were so shattered that he would never again live a day without pain where one arm is actually shorter than the other, where his arms and legs multiply broken and allowed to become infected. It is a miracle John McCain is not a paraplegic. Just in case nobody knows this, I don't like John McCain politically one bit. But John McCain is the greatest living American war hero we've got. All right, having separated and defined those two, they dropped the bomb, McCain, father to black daughter. John McCain went back to Southeast Asia, and he adopted a Bangladeshi orphan girl, saving her from death. The Death was probably the best thing that could have happened to this little baby, given what would have happened to her otherwise. He adopted her and brought her from another planet back to Arizona, and raised her in the McCain family and loved her, loves her, like his own children whom he fathered, as opposed to his father of. And so they dropped this bomb on McCain with a great big family picture, McCain father to black daughter. How would you defend that? How does one defend that? Does one defend that? That's what you call dirty politics. One might call dirty politics the push polling that's going on right now as we speak. But you see, TV can't cover this. There's no way for them to cover this so it doesn't get on air. Right now, there's push polling. The phone is ringing among likely South Carolinians, uh, likely Republican South Carolinian primary voters, and Democrats who might. It's an open state. Democrats can vote in the Republican primary, vice versa. So among likely voters, the phone is ringing every night. People pick it up and they say, Hi, I'm Jay from the Acme Polling Company. Did you know that Donald Trump uh, was uh, humping a uh, model from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and while he was married, and it was in the front pages of the New York Post every day, and one of the headlines was, 
best sex I've ever had, says Marla Maples. And the only problem is at the time he was married with children and his wife didn't know about it. And he kept doing it and he admitted to it. Look, each to his own, right? But in a state, the second most volume of evangelical and born-again Christians? Is that dirty politics? Well, I don't know if it's true. Is it not dirty? Because that's true. McCain, father of black daughter. That's true, too. But is it dirty? I mean, you want... Dirty politics is the product of advertising and charges that are brought by other people, not by things that candidates stand up and say. These little babies on television right now, on MSNBC and Fox and CNN, who are 26 years old, who are anchoring broadcasts, they have no idea of history. They have no idea of politics. They didn't come up as reporters. They have no history. They have no history. They don't know what happened. They report on politics, but they don't know anything about politics. They were nine the last time there was a political race. Dirty tricks. How about the robocalls going on right now? In New Hampshire, I know what they sounded like. I'm going to tell you they probably sound the same way in South Carolina. The robocall is a recorded call that says, hello, I'm a white supremacist named Virgil Honeycutt. I believe black people should be slaves and they're inferior and they should be all sent out of America. America's for white people only. And my candidate is Donald Trump. Thank you for listening. And those robocalls go to 50,000 targeted, likely primary Republican voters a night. Dirty politics? Well, did it come from the Trump campaign? No. Is he connected with the Trump campaign? No. Is he allowed to say this because of the First Amendment? Yes. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. So, uh, my uh, partners, Obama waited all of three days, mourning period, before he decided to speak about replacing uh, Justice Scalia. And he's just taken the stage. And I don't know if this matters to you, but I notice it. When he spoke of Justice Scalia's passing on the day it occurred, he wore no tie. Right now, it's Tuesday, is it not? It's a weekday. President of the United States, press conference, got no tie on. Anybody think that that's an accident, a mistake, or a coincidence, that that's, you know, that didn't matter to him, or they didn't plan this? This is an open act of defiance, hatred, and disrespect 
It's a dog whistle. Not a dog bark. That's what Hillary Clinton does. We'll have that for you tomorrow. But no, it's a dog whistle to the left. See, I'm here to talk about this, but I don't think this guy was important enough to put a tie on for. I look like I'm on the golf course, but that's okay. Who really cares about a white conservative anyway? As I was saying about the negative spots, the no, I'm sorry, the, the, the dirty politics, the beauty of them, and this is always in the last sentence of every presentation ever given by a consultant to a candidate, dot, dot, dot. And the beauty part of this, Senator, Governor, is that we will drop it in the last 48 hours. It will never make television before the vote. All the damage will be done. And the dogs will bark and the caravan will move on. And there will be reports on Sunday or Monday that, oh, dirty tricks were used in the closing moments of Saturday's vote. But we didn't find out about them until now. So when a reporter, when someone goes to a news editor and says, look at this. I have evidence of dirty tricks, really dirty, filthy tricks being played on one of the candidates the day before and the day of the vote by phone and by mail and by radio. And the news editor says, yeah, and it happened when? Well, it happened on Friday and Saturday morning. Yeah, and what day is this? Well, it's Monday, chief. And they go, exactly. And we're a newspaper, right? We're a television station, right? So you want me to report Friday's news? Who cares now? The election is over. They're not going to tell me. Are they going to overturn it? Are you Are you going to court with this? Is someone suing to overturn the outcome? You see what I mean? When it's done, can we use the word skillfully? When it's done, no, effectively. When dirty tricks are used effectively, they are tricks and they are dirty. And that's why they persist to this day. Because they work. And you usually uh, uh, implement them in the closing hours of a campaign so that you can't get exposed for using them prior to the vote. And no one cares to report it after the vote. So you get away with it. We'll watch. But that's how it works. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.